You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. This week we're talking about 2015's It Follows. They're coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar. Welcome to the party, pal. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Man's got to know his limitations. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Let's put a smile on that face. I love the smell of my pump in the morning. This sort of thing has cropped up before, and it has always been due to human error. Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian, this is Jeremy. Hey. This is our first new release we're discussing. We're going to talk about it first, without spoilers, we'll take a break, come back, and then we'll get into a spoiler-filled discussion. After we talk about the movie, stick around for trailer talk. We'll take a look at some new trailers. We just got back from seeing It Follows. Jeremy, what'd you think of it, sir? Home run. Home run. Yeah, I I thought it was a home run. It was a great, great little horror film. You know, it was like one of those, ah, you just look around and everybody's cringing, everybody's into it, everybody's having fun. You're getting a full theater worth of reaction that you want to get. I know that, you know, as a horror director myself, like I would love to be in the theater and see people reacting that way to the film I just made. And one thing I really liked about this movie was how it took some of the genre tropes in the horror film. Um, a lot of, a lot of things that we normally come to suspect, uh, come to expect from slasher films and other films in the horror genre it took it took those ideas and did something new with it, which well, was refreshing. It, somebody somebody has told me on several occasions, um, don't throw out an idea just because it's been done before. It's what you do with it. And this is a good example. I mean, this is like it just takes everything that you ex- like you said, everything you expect, and it just has so much fun with it. It makes so much of it work in different ways that. I yeah, that's me clapping, not jerking off. <laughs> little golf clap, little golf clap. Good job. This film uh, is doing really well on the uh, on the indie scene. It 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 was in a limited release. It blew up, and I think it was uh, who, who released this. I think it was the the Weinstein's actually took it off. They were going to release it in video on demand. They took it off because it was doing so well, and they actually decided to give it a little theatrical run. And um, we got to see it tonight in Memphis, which is. A rarity. We don't always get those kind of films. Sort um, of a black hole for limited releases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, literally, like the 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 film fans around here. It's like a school, a snow day at school. We're like, holy shit, it's gonna play. And you know something? I mean, this has nothing to do with the film, but I, it, I guess it has something to do with the draw of the film. But like standing in line to get my ticket, like. I was just impressed with how many people were it follows two for it follows and like excited about going in to see it. Yeah, there were there were the theater was at least half full if not more. Yeah, for a horror film on Friday night that early. Yeah, yeah, we went to what was a seven seven ten show I think yeah. we went to when uh, we saw it uh, digital it was digital two K projection we didn't get to see it in you know a four K or anything like that but it, I thought it looked really good the cinematography was spectacular but I got. Man, you were doing golf claps. Golf clap to that score. 
<laughs> Man, that score was amazing. It gave me everything I wanted from a score. It was like that guy, uh, I think uh, the guy that did the score had some crazy name. Um, I don't even think it was a name. It must have been some I think it was a group. band. Was it a group? Uh, I'm, ge- I'm guessing. I have, I, I, I'll be honest. I've done no research on this at all. <laughs> I'm flying blind. I've seen the movie. Uh, where is the? Uh, I can't. I can't find who 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 did it. Who did the score? Who it did was the like, score? Like Death Punch or something. I don't remember. I uh, hear it is. Uh, it's Disaster Piece, also known as Electronic Music Mastermind Rich Velen. Let's actually let's actually listen to a little bit of that awesome score. synth score was blaring out through the theater and man it just it added to my enjoyment made me feel like i was watching an old like a good 80s horror film now i'm not talking about like the crappy 80s horror film i'm talking about the the good ones like this felt like a real gem just right off the back from the way the sound was done but it still had a, a nice modern I had little modern notes to it, I thought. Much better than a lot of the scores you hear from some of these supernatural films where they're just noises, high-pitched squeals, and thunk thumps to scare you and, and put you off your edge. And another thing I really enjoyed about the film, lack of jump scares. There was only, I, there was only one jump scare that I counted in the entire film, and the rest of it was just, just constant creep building. Yeah, you know, the lack of jump scares sets it apart it from does. everything else that's out there. Um, there seems to be a lot of horror films that are all about the jump scares. And, yeah. and um, I have a 10-year-old daughter who is now completely into like horror films. And she has two categories. She calls them quick scares and creepies. <laughs> creepies. And, yeah, like Pet Cemetery was a creepy. It it creeped her out. Where <laughs> nice, I like. We that. went to see Annabelle, and she said, it, "You know, that's a that's a quick scare, but it's a two on the quick scare because it only made me jump twice." Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the the fresh the the freshness of a new film that wasn't packed with boo boo. Oh, it's nothing there. Oh oh, this time it's something there. Yeah. Or hey, I'm looking at the medicine cabinet. I'm gonna. It's a, it's got a mirror. I'm gonna open it up. Oh wait, wait, wait. Oh, I closed it. There's somebody behind me. Or oh, wait, no, there's somebody not. But we had that music cue <laughs> to make you think that there's somebody there because that's such a right. cliche. <sighs> yeah, I get tired of that too. But I, you don't have that in this film. There's uh, most of the horror. I feel like it's a lot. You see a lot of things in the background that are coming. Coming it, forward. It leaves you with the feeling something is behind you. It, man, it just it gets under your skin. Um, 
But at the same time, it's a lot of fun. It's not like... It's not like you you see it and you're not gonna sleep that night. It's the kind of it's the I don't know. Speak for yourself, man. I'm not I'm not sleeping a wink tonight, man. You never sleep. <laughs> that may be true, but I I just just a quick setup for like basic plot of what this movie's about is there's pretty much this presence that is constantly constantly following because it follows this uh, and this it woman. Does follow it it follows a lot and constant. Follows. And I don't think I ever realized how creepy it was to have somebody with their just fixed eyes on you walking, just doing a straight beeline right for you. I thought that was... Well, it was it was Michael Myers. It was Jason. It was every stalker in movie history that's just walking. And you're thinking, well, they're just walking. They're never going to catch up with me. But it's that relentless, they're never going to stop. They're going to keep coming until they get there. You can run all you want, but eventually that thing, whatever is following you, will eventually catch up. And that's, you know, that theme plays out throughout the movie, and it, it really works. It does work. I think one of the reasons that really works is because they do something really smart straight off the bat. They establish the rules to the universe. It sets it up, and the rest of the movie, just it's just the chase. We yeah, here we set up our rules. Now we're gonna go. We're just gonna go, and that's what this movie is. It's it's nonstop. Once it gets going, it is it's a nonstop chase movie. It does give you some moments to breathe, though. This film was like it's it's honoring itself as a horror film. By not overcomplicating itself and saying it's this is the world we're in, this is the situation, and now we want you to want these characters to survive. And then by doing that, it's not overcomplicate. It's not adding in twists. It's not adding in extra stuff to try to make the plot more interesting. The plot is what the plot is. She has to run from the thing that's following her. Like, to me, It Follows is, and, and you know, the director may may have had a different vision, but to me, it's a complete homage to Michael Myers, Jason, any slasher movie where the killer walks and eventually catches his prey. The other thing that, if you haven't gone to see this movie, I was thoroughly impressed with very realistic characters. And you have like the... Yeah, I guess we're going to have to go to spoilers. <laughs> yeah, to talk about this. I'm trying to like encourage people to see the movie. All right, so we're going to we're gonna take a break here. We're going to... Uh, we'll listen to the trailer for It Follows, and then we'll come back and uh, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. So if you haven't seen it, please, I think we both recommend it. Go see the movie. It's awesome. I used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself holding hands with a really cute guy driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. <laughs> okay. You awake? What are you doing? You're not going to believe me. And I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's gonna follow you. 
Somebody gave it to me. And I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. I'm scared. I need to find him. Who did he really do to you? Apparently he used a fake name to rent a house in the city. This isn't real, I swear to you, this is just some game. If it kills her, it gets me. It goes straight down the line, whoever started it. All right, so that was the trailer for It Follows. Now we're going to get into spoilers. Um, I guess we need to talk about the plot of this film. Let's just talk about how this movie opens up from the get-go with this shot. Just immediately calling back imagery for me for Halloween. You see the, the suburbs, these rows of houses. And then all of a sudden, the camera starts panning over as this chick just comes out of the house and she gets into the middle of the road. And it's like, she's looking kind of off camera. And I'm like, wait, are, are, we, are we looking at her? Are we something looking at her? Or is she looking at something that's just behind the camera, off to the camera? And then she starts talking to some lady. Her dad comes out. Also, about that one shot is you establish so much about what's to come, what's to follow. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> um, God, we are idiots. <laughs> um, you know she's running from something that her dad, her neighbors can't see. Yeah, don't acknowledge. Um, something that she is frightened to death of. Yeah. That one shot carries as she runs down the street, comes back, she runs back into her house, comes out, gets in the car, and drives off. And from the way she's acting, something is right behind her the whole way. Oh, and the way it's shot, too. Like, when she's she's in the car, like, we're in the back seat of the car. Yeah. You know? And it's- she's, like, looking in the rearview mirror. Oh, man, it is it is creepy. And it did set up... Something that I like, but it is it is going to be a question that I have until somebody answers it for me, is the time period this movie is set in. I am of the opinion that the opening scene is present day, and then everything that happens after that is a few years back. Right after we left the movie theater, I was actually looking uh, online. I think it was either producer or director said that they did that on purpose to give the movie... They wanted to give the film like a timeless quality. Yeah, that's why I said I liked it. Is that it, it feels like it's it could be set at any time. But she's obviously on a cell phone at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then after that, it's total like eighties technology. Well, no, that one that one girl has the like the nook, some kind of like Well, it, it's something. Some it, like something that my wife would probably fucking love. It looks like a make uh, like one of those compact makeup. Yeah, but it's like an uh, ebook. Cases. Yeah, but it was an e- yeah, it was. But uh, she would occasionally throughout the movie read off of it, and there was also too like I thought it was really weird the movies that they were showing. They were showing like all these old, really old, bad black and white science fiction films, and all the, the TVs are the old tube TVs. Yeah, there's no flat screens. Cars are pretty old. Yeah, no modern. Car- well, I didn't I didn't notice any modern cars really. Yeah, I mean, but, I'm not a car guy, so it's not like I'm gonna be like, hey, there's a 1967. But to be honest with you, I really wasn't. I was constant like once the movie got going, I was constantly looking for whoever was following her, because they they're like you got to watch in this movie that's in the background. So just to clarify what what's going on at this point in the movie. Oh yeah, well um, I guess we should get back on track. We're 
we digress. Um, Jay, the main character, is dating this guy, and they they take the step. They they have sex in the car, and of course, you know, if you're if you're in a horror film and you have sex, something bad is coming after you. Well, in this movie, that's literal. As soon as they do it, he chloroforms her, ties her up, and explains that there is this thing that's going to come after you. It can look like anybody you know, and it's going to keep coming until you sleep with someone else. That caught me off guard when yeah, he did. got her. That ca- I was like, wait, I thought this was like a supernatural monster movie, not a slasher film. That really caught well, me off guard. Like, even like... Like, I, I want to give so much props to the director because even, like, that scene was so well done and that she's leaning out of the car. It's such realistic, like, dialogue. She's glowing. She just had great sex and she's leaning out and she's talking Tuck, about... Touching the flower. And... She, yeah, she's touching the little flower. But it's not overly dramatic. It's it's just kind of like, you know, the pondering thought of, man, I'm I'm this old and... Time kind of goes by quickly, and I used to imagine what this time of my life would be like, and now I'm in that time of my life. And then he's chloroforming her, and uh, so after that, he takes her home, drops her on her front porch, and she tells her friends that uh, she had sex with this guy, and if she doesn't have sex with someone else soon, then this thing is going to follow and kill her. And if it gets her, then it's back to him. And it, it was cool because right off the bat, like, you're you're questioning if, all right, is he a douche for doing this? Is he a dick? Yeah, I mean... Because, you know, after a couple of days of it following her, it's sort of like, just go fuck everybody in that way. I mean, well, that's what she ends up doing, you know? Like... I guess she doesn't really believe it at first. Who would? You know, well, I don't know, man. After that wheelchair scene, although she was just coming out, you know, she's groggy from being drugged, chloroformed, and everything. Right, and, and you think about it, what's crazier? You just sleep with this person, this guy, and he chloroforms you, ties you to a wheelchair, and is running around talking about, if you have sex with, you gotta go fuck somebody else so that it doesn't follow you, or a naked, crazy woman walking. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. The demon can look like, or I guess it's a demon. Whatever. I thought it was more like a succubus idea. <laughs> yeah, they don't, I, yeah, I, did, they, did they use the word demon in there? No, they just it. Yeah, the first creature incarnation that we see is just this naked woman who looks, she's had some traumatic things happen to her, and she's just slowly walking. He gives her the rules and dumps her off at her house, still tied up. <laughs> Basically, good luck. <laughs> yeah, have fun with this. Uh, it's walking, so you have a couple couple minutes. Goodbye. Or a couple of, hours. One of my favorite scenes, and I thought it... She's back at her house, and her friends are all staying the night. There's a character, um, Paul, I think's his name. Yeah, yeah, the Paul character, the guy um, who wants to sleep with her. Yeah, he totally has a crush on the hot girl. Oh, man, he's crushing back. And it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's really cool because, like, he's the kind of nerdy best friend that's been friends with her since she was little. He's has, he has a huge crush on her, you know, and he's, he's constantly hinting like, Hey, you were my first kiss. And I basically anything, but I love you. Please pay attention to me. So he's there to protect her. She's got her sisters there. And then something breaks the kitchen window. And so he goes to check it out. She goes 
after he comes back and says, there's nothing there, I'm going to go get your sister to call the police, she goes to check it out, and it's in the house. Now we can, we get a little chase scene, and we establish that they can't see it, but she can. Dude, that is creepy. When, when you hear that window break, you know something's wrong. Oh, yeah, and there's like, that was like five minutes of just real tense. She's going to check it out, and she even walks over, and there's this great, great, like, uh, medium close-up, close-up shot where she, she walks into frame, she just scans, she's looking at the room, she scans. And the whole movie is about looking over her shoulder. Like, you're constantly looking over her shoulder. Oh, yeah. Like, every direction she's not looking in, I just want to be like, keep spinning your head around. Right. Keep spinning your head around. It's behind you. It's in front of you. Right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it makes perspective so much so important because you want her looking in the direction that you're looking because that's where it might be at. Oh yeah. And then they go to the place where Hugh Jeff, uh, he's he's originally named Hugh, and then later you find out his name is Jeff. Yeah. Has been living, and I thought that was like brilliant set piece that with all the cans on the windows and all the escape hatches that he's made. You can tell, like, mentally, this is really messed with this guy. I did like when they went to that house, the upstairs the upstairs room. Uh, there's a bed and a bunch of, uh, what were the magazines? They weren't they weren't Playboys. They were Playpen. Play, they had some Playpens. Well, the best part, though, the production design were all the wadded up tissues on the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, there's a little callback. Uh, Paul talks earlier in the movie about him and uh, Jay finding some uh, porn magazines. He sort of hints that it, Paul is constantly hinting he really wants to, and I'm going to use some air quotations that you people can't see, but he really wants to make love to Jay. Oh, um, man, dude, like when you say like I would give anything to bone this chick, this dude means it. Oh, yeah, he he has it bad for this girl. Oh, man, and, and, he does. And in reality, he ends up giving anything to bone this chick. Paul really just thinks she's the end-all, be-all. And it plays on this theme where, like, she even passes it on to the other hot guy, Greg, and he knows it. It's eating him up. Like, to him, he would have much rather take this burden from her, put himself in harm to have her, while the other guy didn't give a shit. Like, he fucks her, and then he doesn't see the thing for a couple of days because well he's 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 an active dude. Well we and never then, see him banging. We well, just see him talking to chicks. We well I, we only seen the at that one place talking to him, right? It was only that one time where yeah, he was sitting there. I I totally get that they bite the dust and then by the time it gets back to him, he doesn't believe it's real. And then the scene like that is awesome the scene that he gets Oh man, that was that's that's actually the only real death scene that we see in the film, and it's so like it's one of those those movie scenes where you want to scream at him, like listen to her, don't open the door, and it looks like his mom naked, and then she just she like she like WWE's like ah goes in there and jumps on him and hits the ground, and that's when uh, the Jay is yeah. that her she she goes around and uh, she sees. The atrocities that are happening. It's really bizarre. It's like some yeah. kind of SM. Well, that's the reason I I, I, I said suck. it was it was sort of like a succubus because well she was obviously 
fucking the life out of him. Was she? I don't. I, I, it to was, me, that's what it looked like. They even show the like push in on the crotches together and the juices. Yeah. And maybe in it follows it, too. It'll explain a little bit more and ruin the mystery. <laughs> yeah, and the I like I said, it has that. To me, like it, it that classic horror. You you. I mean, a little personal story. Uh, when I was uh growing up, two houses down was my best friend's house and. His his mom, who I grew up calling Aunt Betsy, used to scream at the television. And we watched horror films all the time. And she was constantly like, don't go in there! Don't go in there! I yeah. want to watch this movie with Aunt Betsy because she's going to scream at it the entire time. And I'm going to love it. And it's going to be great. She's going to talk to this movie constantly. Yeah, I, I, I think I did that a couple times. Where I was just like, oh, what are you... Doing? Why are you doing that? You were cringing your tail off well, over there. When Greg's death scene's getting ready to occur, you see Greg, the demon version of him. Yeah, he's just he's just walking along, and she's just you know noticing it. He just picks up a brick and smashes it through the window, just like the the creature, whatever it is, did earlier to her. Yeah, and I so love she knows, it. and then she she starts going over there, and I'm like, what are you doing? No, run away. Go fuck somebody. Go, <laughs> <laughs> Paul's ready. He's waiting. It is like one of those moments but where you want to scream. It, it had every element like a classic horror film had. It has the moment where nobody believes her. Yeah. What she knows to be happening, everybody thinks she's crazy. Which, I want, this, that brings up a really interesting uh, point. Uh, in the movie, I did notice these adults... We are not interested in them at all. Like, I don't even think we got a shot of them where they are completely no. in frame or in focus. No, like, they're totally treated like the Peanuts parent. parents. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Exactly. Charlie Brown's parents. Yeah. yeah that's, that's 100%. You know, and I really enjoyed that because that's yeah. what these films are about that coming of age, at adolescence. We're discovering who we are and our bodies and how everything is weird. And we're just awkward individuals at this age because we're. Finding everything out and exploring our sexuality for the and first time. And also, like, they they take it to that extra step of these kids aren't close to their parents. These aren't parents that are actively involved in their kids' lives. You know, much like the um, remake of Let Me In, you never see the mom. Like, she's just this... I need to rewatch that. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, that. that's that's one of my favorite recent movies. That is, that is a good movie. That is a really good movie. I've the seen same premise there, though, like... His mom is like kept in the in the out of focus in the background as a distant character in his life. The mom here is the same way. Like these kids are not close to their parents. And even when Greg is asked, like he at some point, at one point in the movie, they figure out that it's it's walking. The it is walking. So if you drive a distance, you can get a get a distance away from it. Yeah, you can outrun it. And you'll have a day or so before it will catch up to you. So Greg has offered. He's got a car. He obviously is the only one that has a car. So he's going to drive him away. And one of the other girls says, will your mom miss you? And he's like, no, my mom doesn't. Basically, his mom doesn't care what he does. It wasn't that. Was that his mom he was smoking pot with in the car? No, I think it was just another. That was just another girl. Yeah. Oh man, like I almost thought that was his mom for a second. It was such a quick shot. I didn't really get to see it, and you don't really ever see his mom except for when that thing 
is his mom. And this is an assumption I'm making from seeing the movie once, but well, yeah, we just saw it one I'm, time. I'm ago. getting the assumption that like all these kids grew up together. The main character turned out to be like who probably used to be like a tomboy, played with everybody. Now she's the hot girl. Yeah. So everybody wants to bang her. So when Greg sees her go running out of the house, he happily leaves his date to go check on her and be the knight in shining armor to get into those pants again. Yeah, because they do they do mention that uh, they had like some fling in high school. Yeah, they slept together in high school. Yeah, which was something else I thought. And when I saw the trailer, I guess something about the trailer made me think that like, okay, she loses her virginity. So now this thing is chasing her. And that's I not that the too. case at all. Like, you can be a straight-up hooker on the street, and if you sleep with someone in line and inherit this thing, yeah, it's, yeah, your your ass is grass. It's, I guess that's when it would be good to, to be a prostitute. Because then, like, if you got it, you just pass it on to all your customers. Your clientele base would eventually dry up. But... <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, you'd be be okay for a month, right? You know, after Paul gets his wish, which I thought was a really. Paul basically tells her, I'm here. I've been here. I'm always going to be here. I'm not just here to fuck you. I'm here. I want to help you. And they go through this elaborate way to kill it. Paul's there. Oh, yeah. That was. And then afterwards, she's like, okay. So they. Paul inherits it at that point. Uh, very awkward scene, but sweet. I really like that too. Like, we're, so we're getting, you know, they start having sex, and immediately the camera just booms up, and immediately we're looking, we start looking out that window as it starts to rain. We can still hear him having sex. Man, we're just looking out that window. I was like, oh my god, you bet. You better have sex in the car while driving. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Greyhounded. Greyhounded. What are you doing? Go, go, go. Yeah, even the, the, the actors there. Like, for Paul, you can tell that this is a special moment for him. Like, he's... It's Jay. He's reached the Mount Everest of his love life. The pinnacle of his existence. And at first, she she could care less. She's doing it to save her life. I mean... Earlier in the film, you it's hinted heavily that she went and had a four-way with these guys on a boat just to kind of push this off on some other people. But after her and Paul start kind of moving together a little bit, you, her, her facial expression changes some. She seems like she's getting into it a little bit more, which leads to the next time you see them, they're holding hands through this trauma this these two people that have been friends their whole lives may have like created this weirdly fucked up relationship that I do like that she's holding his hand in the she she breaks her uh her hand in an automobile accident. Yeah. She's she's holding that's the hand. The one with the cast is the one that she's holding his hand with. Very, very symbolic there. Yeah, that was, that was a nice little touch. I enjoy little touches like that. Afterwards, Paul then is shown on the track looking for some working girls. And I think he was like, you know what? I'll pass. I'll oh, you pass. think he passed? Some of those working girls on the corner there were not what I would call appealing. Because the next shot is him asleep. They're in the hospital with the girl that got shot. And he's asleep. And that's when Jay is looking at him. And you get the feeling that she's seeing him 
in a different light. Like, she sees what he's doing for her and really appreciates it and starts to kind of really like him. Oh, see, I thought they were they thought they were in the clear at that point because they they went to the pool. Yeah, I don't think they think they're in the clear because he I think I think he went and passed it off like he went and fucked some prostitutes for her. This guy's going a long way for me and that's why oh, you get the see, next shot is she's holding his hand. See, I thought she thought and it's behind him. Yeah, I thought they were. I, I thought she was like, "Oh yeah, we're in the clear. We got this thing." Because like they shoot the demon person. It's in this pool, and they shoot it, and it's this really creepy scene where they're like, "Is it dead?" Because they can't see it. Only she can. Only Jay can see the 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 creature. So she goes over to the edge of the pool, and I was like, "Oh, what are you doing, you stupid bitch? Get away from the edge of that pool. It's gonna suck you in and kill you." And then she goes over to the edge, and it's just blood. Just all this blood filling up this pool that only she can see. And I was like, well, I guess this is the end of the movie. It's wrapping up. Well, afterwards, Paul asks, do you feel different? And she says, no. I'm assuming that he's asking, like, do you think it's over? And she's like, no. So he goes to the the street girls, passes it on to them in hopes that they sleep with enough people that it buys them enough time it goes to the hospital. She gives him the look of he's sleeping. She gives him the look of you're a pretty good guy. I kind of like you too now. And then they're walking together. They're holding hands and you see what possibly could be it behind them. But then again, it could have just been some dude. No, that was not <laughs> some dude, man. Cause he was, he was, he was fixed at, like the head straight forward. You know, he was not like looking around, dicking around in his iPhone, not you like know. the the girl that everybody saw. Oh yeah, that was that was a good moment. Her it's just like, hey, can y'all can, see her? Can you see her? It even had another moment that when they're on the date at the beginning. At the beginning of the movie, they're on this date where they're playing a game called Trade, and I always like these moments in movies where like you you get these little games that people play that you might not have ever heard of. I'd never heard of this one. Where this one's where you you look at random people in the crowd. One person picks somebody that they would rather trade places with, and then you have to guess who they who they who they would pick to trade places with. I I like little moments like that. That's good screenwriting, I think. What was good though is like that game came into play, and that's the first time that we really get the sense that something is really off with this guy she's dating. Yeah, because he's like, "Hey, I think you picked that girl in the yellow dress." She turns around, she's like. Where? He's like, that chick right there. And they just cut to the shot of the empty, uh, like, exit doorway. Right. And it's just like, uh, I don't see anybody in a yellow dress. And he's like, uh, we gotta go. So, that that theater that was that they showed at the beginning, the scene we're talking about, that's actually the same theater that uh, Sam Raimi and, uh, and them first premiered The Evil Dead at. Oh, really? How you like that for a little bit of horror trivia? Man. I like this guy, man. I am I am a I'm a I'm a fan of this director here. This David Robert Mitchell. I'll be interested to see what uh what he does next. Uh according to his Twitter, he's done something else. Yeah, he did uh he did a movie called The Myth of the American Sleepover. It's uh it's an indie film. I haven't seen it. I haven't either. Uh, you know. I to be honest with you, I'd never even heard of it. I haven't either. It's got a six point two on IMDb. Better than my last movie's rating. You know, we talked about like when we first walked out of the theater. I, I felt like 
he was channeling a lot of that Wes Craven. Like the two films I immediately thought of, I walked out of the theater was Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. It just called those to mind because the way it uses all these tropes, like we said in the beginning, it switches them up later. Right. Well, yeah, if you have sex, you're going to die. But how do you live? You have more sex. I thought that was interesting. Whore it out. <laughs> now, like we'd mentioned earlier, it, you know, it even brings up that moral question of, you know, if you don't want to just sleep around with a whole bunch of people, that's sort of against your morality code or whatever. How soon do you break that to save your own life? Didn't take her that long. Yeah, it wouldn't take me that long either. I don't think it, it took less than a week. But most of the interpretations of the, the demon, like who it picked to be. And some of them, like, I was also wondering, like, because it, it chose a lot of people that it was that it had killed. So I was wondering if these, like, different forms were all people. Now, with the old lady. Not all of them, because it does the mom and. It seemed like they showed a, a shot of a picture on the wall of the old lady. Like, it may have been her grandmother. Oh, I missed that. I didn't see that. It showed a shot of some pictures hanging on the wall. You could see, like, her mom, and it was like a bunch of family photos. And it, to me, it seemed like the old lady... I know what you're talking about, was, yeah. ...was in that picture, and then you see her in her hospital gown at the school... Man, I'm, we're going to we're gonna have to go watch this again. This is definitely a movie I'm going to see a second time. Oh, I would definitely see this again. That was one of the very few... One of the, It's very rare that the demon is fully clothed. Especially that one real, like, just bizarre with the... Where she's she's pulling out of the, uh, the driveway, and she looks up, and on the top of the roof, there's this old, naked, bearded man just standing there, just looking at her. But he's just sitting there, like, you know, full bush... Thing dangling in the wind, just like, hey, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna get you. A lot of nakedness going on from this demon here, but it's a sex demon, so I guess that's, you know, that's good. If you're a horror fan and you haven't made it out to go see this, shut off this podcast and go see the movie. Man, you better have shut it off way before you made it to this point, because... No shit. I think this is a rare horror gem. It's definitely the best film I've seen of 2015. It's the best horror film I've probably seen i want to i want to say in, in at least the last two years i really enjoyed this yeah i really liked this one and uh babadook i thought babadook was really See, i haven't good. seen babadook yet um yeah well that's your fault yeah I behind the times. You. i know i know hey you know life life gets in the way man all right I ended up having to take my 10 year old daughter Come on, you want to go see a rated R horror film with daddy? Wait, isn't, isn't that also about like some mom that's like yeah. dealing with her child that's terrified yeah <laughs> That right there is life imitating art, imitating life. That's also imitating art through life. Yeah, I'm causing so many like psychological damage to this kid. Yeah, my kids haven't made it that. We're still doing like the Universal Monsters, and uh, I haven't even done Hammer films with them yet. And see, with the, I mean, we have sort of a rule like now, but if it comes to like heavy sexual content, yeah, it's we'll, awkward. We just won't. That, that's not even on the table. Now Sean's yeah. getting to the age now where we'll we're starting to let her watch some stuff. Not like porn or anything. I'm not like, hey, you want to watch Debbie Does Dallas? <laughs> Debbie Does this Dallas. Is, this just got really sick. No, um, poor guys, one cup. Well, you know, like we were watching Friday the Thirteenth, and you know the whole like these people are having sex, so you know it's a slasher movie, and you know now that they're gonna get killed. 
The survivor girl is the one girl that has abstained throughout the whole movie. The golden virgin. And, you know, she's old enough now that she even made the joke of, you know, when Kevin Kevin Bacon is getting his groove on up there in Friday the 13th, she's like, well, they're not practicing abstinence. You know, they're going to bite it. So she's old enough now that she 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 understands it. And, you know, like stuff like Friday the 13th, we can, you know, let her watch. Whereas before, if it had like a lot of sex in it, we would, that was kind of like the rule. We wouldn't let her watch. But my mom was the exact opposite. Like I wasn't allowed to watch anything growing up. Sort of still regret, I still like hold this grudge. Um, I think she was doing it to protect your young, innocent mind. It just made me have to go like (laughs) out of my way to watch stuff. Oh man, when I turned nine, I think it was like pretty much. Everything was on the table at that point, except for like Silence of the Lambs and, you know, stuff that was. Yeah, I mean, you know, we stayed away usually from serial killer stuff that like I do. I do remember my mom and my mom took me to go see seven in ninety five. That was was a little weird, but, you know, you know, I I I would never show Sean. um, The human centipede. No, no, I wouldn't recommend that one. No, I mean, that's, you know, that's not something I would let her see, or... That's not something I would watch with my wife, dude. That's not something I would watch ever, but... Uh, you know what? You should watch it just for the creepy old German guy. No, I've seen it. No, you have seen it. Yeah, okay, I'm just, yeah. I don't want to ever see it again. Uh, you know, it had its moments. Where did I see the human centipede Legos? You're making that up. No, somebody sent me a thing on Facebook. And it was either a video or a picture. I cannot remember. This is a joke, though, right? Yeah, it had to be a joke. But it was like human centipede Legos, and you put them together, and you build your train. Man, that is so wrong. I, I would say the best thing about, like, having a 10-year-old that's into horror films is that I get to relive all these, like, classic moments that just made me such a fan all right, we have gotten way off topic. I would apologize, but uh, I'm not going to. Yeah, this went off the rails a little bit. Yes, so It Follows. Um, good movie. Go see it. Yeah, I mean, I think we praised it as much as we could. Yeah, I I wish I could actually like nitpick one little detail, but, dude, after seeing it, I only saw it once, so I'm sure by the time I see it ten times, I'll be able to find like two little things, and I'm like, you know, this is not 100% perfect. But, dude, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really good. I hate to keep saying creepy all the time, but man, but it, it is. It it's creepy got under my skin. Um, I mean, if I had to nitpick anything, it was it would be the blanket over him at the end. But man, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of would have, and it maybe like I don't know something else other than the throw the blanket over him. But I don't know. That was like. <laughs> Because really, you only get those. There's that beach scene, and then that scene at the end. That's the only time the, the other characters ever get to really see or get the sense that she's not just making this up and it's not right. all in her head. So I I kind of enjoyed that, but I guess they did that with the TV throwing. When, oh man, that was cool when like uh, it takes on the form of her dad and they're throwing the she's oh. throwing the electronics and the TVs at her. I was like, there was oh there was a few times I saw you duck, I ducked. The guy yeah. in front of me was basically like covering his head. Well, I think it was like what? it was a TV. I think that one was. I was just like, that's oh, the one that came damn. like real close. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, girl. I was like, no, you got to stay underwater. And then like she, they did that shot where she's underwater and you don't see anything impact. And you're like, oh man, 
He's just is, waiting. Yeah, he's just waiting for you to come it's out. It's just waiting. Yeah, whatever. Well, it's a dude at that point. It's her father. Uh, I think it's her I'm father. I'm glad he's right? not naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that would have been too... Even the demon was like, you know, that's too traumatizing. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna have, like, the dead... The naked dead father come and kill you by sucking the life force out of your crotch. Speaking of demons, you know a movie I've been wanting to watch all week? What? Totally off topic, but... That's all right. That's what we do here. Um, Hellraiser. Oh, the original? Yeah. I like those movies. You you know Clive Barker... I like the first two. Clive Barker just is releasing the um, final Hellraiser book, The Scarlet Gospels, and supposed to bring everything to a close. It's not following movie continuity, so it'll be like Hellraiser 1 and then this book. So it's like a continuation of the Hellbound Heart? Yeah. Cool. I actually have that. I, I, that's one of the few Clive Barker books I've read. I've only read like four or five of his books, and that's it. I actually, yeah, but. I listened to the audiobook um, yesterday, and I was like, man, I want to watch this movie again. Oh, dude, that's... I love the makeup scene when uh, Frank is getting reconstituted from the floor. Like, he's just like, the flesh is coming up out of his yeah, bones. Yeah, I mean, just the first time I saw it, I was like, this is just so weird. Oh, yeah, it is weird. It is really weird. And it's really weird, too. Like, seeing, uh, like, I saw Dirty Harry, like, I think when I was six or whatever. And Scorpio from that movie that, yeah. uh, what's that actor's name? Andy Robinson or something? I'm sorry if I mis- get his name wrong. I think it's Andy Robinson. The guy plays Scorpio. He's the dad in Hellraiser, and he's yeah. just the nicest son of a bitch in the world. I'm just like, all right, look, you're not casting this dude and making him a nice guy. And then later at the end of the movie, Frank takes his skin. Oh, love it. Come love it, daddy. Yeah. Oh. And then they, the Cenobites show up. At the, I, I really like that movie. I'm a big fan of the first Hellraiser. I like the second one, too. The second one's good as well. Remind, I, it's been forever since I saw the second one. Um. What really? happens in that one? Oh, the second one's like she's in an insane asylum. Yeah, kind of at the at the end, she's a little messed up. Or she's in a police station. She sees like this dead guy, or like it's her father saying like "Help me, I'm in hell." And at the same time, the shrink there is like some crazy occultist that collects all these weird occult artifacts, and he he gets the bed that the mom died on in the first one. Right. And he's, he gets this crazy guy. It's it's one of the best scenes in the film, I think, where this this crazy dude who who is hallucinating that he has ants and bugs all over his skin gives him a straight razor, and he just starts cutting the crap out of himself. And, of course, that brings back uh, the stepmother from the first film. I forget what her character's name is. And they end up opening the gate uh, gateway to hell, and it's mostly about Christy trying to get back to her father, and it turns out that, like, it... I'm spoiling way too much of this movie. If you haven't seen this, stop listening we're, right now. Or we're fast way forward. past the spoiler alert. Yeah, I know, but yeah, but it turns out that I guess the real big spoiler here is uh, mute your mute mute. Um, that it turns out that the Frank character was actually pretending to be your father, and that he's trying to get get out of hell because Again? it sucks. Yeah, because it sucks so bad. And of course, that that confrontation doesn't last too long. But then the doctor, the crazy occult doctor. He ends up becoming like some crazy super Cenobite. And he ends up taking out. I remember out, that. I yeah. remember that. He ends up taking out Pinhead and all the other ones. Because I remember, I mean, you know, I mean, seeing in the classic days of going to the video store and I could see the Hellraiser video boxes sitting there. And, it, you know, Pinhead was on all the covers. Oh, yeah. So he was like, I, I figured he was like a Jason or a Freddy 
Um, and he wasn't like the main guy in the first one. He yeah. was just sort of one of them. Yeah, he's not really in the first two. He really doesn't come. He really doesn't get to be that Freddy or Jason Michael Myers character until part three. Yeah, I, just, I saw it one time, and I never even watched. I wait. I watched. I watched one of the other weird sequels, and it didn't make any sense either. Oh but, yeah, there's yeah. one with space, of course. Like I think the fourth one's like Hellraiser Bloodline, also known as Hellraiser in Space. Because <laughs> once you get a franchise that goes past like five sequels, you, you got, always got to go to space. Got to go to space, just like Leprechaun and Jason and all those other guys. Where's Freddy? <sighs> Freddy in space? No, you know what? Freddy kept his dignity. He he would <laughs> crack know. wise. He crack wise, but he kept both feet firm on the ground. We do have that remake. <sighs> okay, I say he kept both feet firm on the ground, but I think it was in part in Freddy's Dead where he reenacts the Wizard uh, of Oz. Yeah, that was the terrible. Broomstick. That was terrible. Which is worse, him on the broomstick or him in the video game, or playing the video game on his Nintendo Freddy glove? See, that one actually was, I don't know, that one's so stupid that you just kind of have to laugh at it, but the... The Wizard of Oz one, and then like, what was the one? I think it's part five where he's got he's Super Freddy, and it's in black and white. <laughs> yeah, the comic book. <laughs> I think those are the two worst parts in the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series. So man. like, now as an adult going back and watching the Dream Child, like, I there's parts of it I really like. I like. That. There are parts of the Dream Child you like. Yeah, there are there are moments that I like, and there's ideas there that I thought was kind of interesting. Um. Overall, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the movie. I'm not going to be super critical of it, but um, I remember when it came out, like there was a big hoopla about it being rated NC-17, and they had to go back and cut some stuff out. So, I, I, And the trailer looked like it was just going to be, oh shit, they went total horror on this. Like, yeah. No, they didn't. They No. Uh, once Freddy went comedy, he couldn't go back. Yeah, Until no. Until Wes Craven came back for seven. Why do people hate that movie so much? I don't, I don't know. I don't get the hate for that film. I thought that was a very unique idea, and what a way to kind of put a stamp on your own franchise. I thought that was one of Russ Craven's better films. Yeah. Like, he's he's either extremely, like, thumbs up or thumbs down for me. Like, he has made some god-awful movies, man. Yeah, I, thought, I thought New Nightmare had some great sequences. And when they redo the sequence, dragging the person across the ceiling, and this time you see Freddy doing it. Yeah. Um, you ever played Skin the Cat? I wasn't real fond of some of the changes they made to Freddy, like the five-fingered glove that was part of his hand. I didn't really care for that. I mean, I thought it was cool because he was like, you know, he wasn't really Freddy in that movie. He was more like a... Yeah, it was an ancient was demon, demon that yeah. was taking the... And I love that idea. Yeah, I actually <laughs> liked the makeup that they did on his face. They kind of took that makeup and modified it kind of like in a little bit for Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Where he's much more... He was like... He was in between that and like the first version of, yeah. of Freddy. Wait, is that Freddy? No, that was uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, what brought all this on was that Scarlet Gospels is coming out and apparently it explains like... Pinhead is some sort of um, priest in hell, and what they didn't go with part three where he was some like no they're discarding everything past one. Uh, well, I think in two they actually show that he was like some he was originally like kind of like Frank and he was opening the box and he was like some World War Two or World War One general or something like that 
and he opened the box and they actually show him turning. I remember the paint. that. Yeah. 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 They actually show that, but that's all they go into is like he was a regular dude that got turned into a Cenobite or whatever yeah. they're called. So I may actually read the Scarlet Gospel book. All right, man. Yeah. Read it and let me know what you think. Well, uh, I think it's about that time, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're going to head over. We're going to watch some trailers real quick. Oh, uh, before we do that, I've still got to pl- I promised I would plug, uh, give a shout out to Jeremy London, getting his role back in Mallrats 2, D.S. Quint. Oh, that's right. Mallrats 2. Jason Lee's back. Shannon Doherty. Shannon Doherty. And speaking of Jeremy London, our film Girl in Woods is almost done. Uh, go to girlinwoods.com, check it out on Facebook and Twitter. I think the first trailer we're going to take a look at will be Clown. Let's take a listen. He's going to miss the clown. There's a little bit of goof up. There's no clown coming. Who double books a clown? I thought you had a backup. Everything's going to be fine. Perfect. We cannot get it off. It's suffocating. One, two. Daddy? Oh, Jack, sweetie, let's get you to bed. That's not daddy. I can feel myself changing. And my husband. It's not a costume. just watched the trailer for clown uh you just heard the trailer for clown which yeah that's true probably was kind of confusing just a lot of wow boom sounds yeah yeah well you know what they they need to get on the internet watch the trailer you know the visuals really sell it they they do they didn't really do a good job of cutting a uh, radio trailer well, yeah, that's not their job, but uh, okay, okay, anyway. So, trailer's interesting, it's a pretty cool trailer. It is a cool trailer, so we have this guy turning into a clown demon, a uh, little, little Pennywise going on here. Yeah, actually, like, I hate to say it, but the whole time the trailer's playing, I'm going, I hope the new It looks that cool. Oh, dude, I am with you on that. I hope the new It looks that cool, too, man. You know what? It kind of rem- the, the one clown where they, they have Peter Stormay where he's like, he's not a clown. He's a, or it's like a, it's not a suit. It's a, it's a whatever he says. It's like a, it's like a demon. It's a clown demon. <laughs> whatever. It's not a clown. It's a clown demon. He's, he's delivering that, that line, and you get that, uh, that one clown. It kind of calls back... For me, the clown, that one clown in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where it's that one little goofy clown that like ends up like uh, he does like a puppet show and eats some people. That's what the clown kind of reminds me of. So it's like eh, it's a little tongue in cheek. The thing I think is really interesting about that trailer is the basement playground. Like he looks like he's got some kind of basement going on with like some kind of like those McDonald's tunnel playgrounds with kids running through them. That looks kind of uh, goofy fun. Right. You know, to me, it's 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 another case of, hey, clowns are scary. Let's let's make a movie about a clown and 
looks like it may have turned out pretty good. But yeah, it's an interesting tra- trailer presented by Eli Roth. I don't think he actually uh, did. He, I don't think he produced executive the movie. producer. Yeah, executive. He presents. He Eli presents Roth. stuff. I wish he would present the Green Inferno to the world, dude. Yeah, that's a trailer that that's been out for second, like a year. Second podcast in a row we've mentioned. When do we get to see this? Ah, well, because it looks so good, man. I love a good cannibal film, and I, we haven't gotten one in like I feel like forever. So I'm always interested in what Mister Mister Roth is up to, and you know, if he's presenting a clown movie, I'm sure I'll go see it. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got plans to definitely check it out. Yeah. Well, I think that's gonna wrap it up uh, for us here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, is there anything you wanted to say in closing? Any uh, parting uh, words of wisdom or knowledge you want to share with anybody in particular? Um, Not like no, you want to no. share uh, with a particular person, but I, that sentence was terrible. But yeah, you know what I mean, I'm saying? I would just call the person and be like, here's the knowledge I wish to be. We're recording late at night. We this no oh man. This is this is a disaster. This is a disaster. I'm pulling the plug. We're out of here. Let's just change the name to Two Tired Idiots and Some Microphones. <laughs> if you haven't seen it follows and you listen to this entire podcast, then that's your fault. Uh yeah, I wish that director a lot of luck on it. I hope it makes a ton of money. Man, I do too, man. I really do too. I really am interested to see. I hope he gets like a good budget, like a really, really good budget. I want to see what he does next. Yeah. All right, so that's going to be it for the Movie Crew Podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, our email is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the movie crew, and crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. Some jerk took the regular spelling of crew, so... Anyway, long story so you just short, added an e. Huh? Well, I actually grew up. Funny little side tangent here. Uh, I actually grew up in a in a town. It was called Crew, Virginia, and it has an an e at the end. Oh, so just you should just use that and say I I did that on purpose. Well, I mean, I, it was like a retro spec. <clears throat> I totally did that on purpose. That's what I was going for the entire time. Um, and if you want to yeah, drop some, us a line, somebody took my name on Twitter. You have to use like a different variation. So I'm like J. Ed Benson. Somebody took my email address. <laughs> it's right. like when you get on Yahoo and just like, yeah, I just I just want to be such and such. I just want my name at yahoo.com. Oh, I hate I hate it. Pet peeve of mine is when people have fucking email addresses. They're like, hey, what's your email, Bob? And it's like, oh, spacecat97. <laughs> fuck am I supposed to remember spacecat97? Your name is Bob Jones. All right. So, yeah. And, and if you want to drop us a line, uh, we'll play uh, whatever. We have a voicemail number. Uh, we'll play your voicemail on the air. You can ask us questions. You can leave comments. You can tell us that we got something wrong and that we're fucking idiots. But that number is 323 539 8661. And that's it. Goodbye.